0: You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE.
1: Hi, how's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And you're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show, as the intro said. To my left, I have Senor Diaz right in front of me. I got Sackman. Got a great show for you guys today. First, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl that happened this past Sunday. A great game, a really fun game to watch. Uh, some controversial calls at the end of it that some people are arguing about already on the internet. Uh, after that, we're going to do our food, our second food battle. We got a great matchup here. Josh isn't too happy about it, but <laughs> me and Sackley are pretty excited, at least. Beyond excited. <laughs>
2: Nonetheless, I got my, I, I got what I got, and I'm happy. So.
1: <laughs> He's still a fat guy who still likes himself a cheeseburger and mac and cheese. That's right. <laughs> never go wrong with that. <laughs> After we do our food battle, we're going to give you guys a preview of the XFL. We all picked a favorite team from that, so we're going to start following that league. We're also going to try to pay attention to the USFL. So we'll start with the XFL now, get more into that later. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back from the break, we're going to do another draft for this draft. We're going to do our top three Super Bowl players ever. So whoever we think are our favorite players of the Super Bowl. It uh, doesn't even have to be the MVP, just great performances in the Super Bowl. Uh, then we're going to talk a little NBA, talk about the trade deadline, and then if we have time at the end, we'll give you guys a preview of the World Baseball Classic and some of those rosters and pools that are coming out for that. To start off, we wanted to start with the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a close game, almost matched the script score that people were talking about online. Yeah, Josh, how did this game go? This game went really good. I mean, I'm in the favor of the Eagles, but... um. Kansas came
2: out back on top after halftime. They had a lot of time for Mahomes to really rest up and recover that ankle after he uh, got hurt in first, towards the end of the first half. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Kansas came out in the second half. Uh, Mahomes was still limping around anyway. It doesn't really matter how much time they gave him off during that halftime show, which was a great performance, by the way. Um, but Kansas wanted it more in that second half. No matter however many people were slipping on that field, However many calls that weren't made were made, whatever. Um, Kansas wanted it more. Um, and, I mean, um, to back up that statement, uh, his Dallas Goddard, that's his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he said he said the field had nothing to do with it. The calls had nothing to do with why they lost. You know, they j- he said that Kansas just played better football in that second half, and that's why they lost, and that's why uh, the Chiefs won. But it was a really good game, entertaining game. Um... And I'm just glad it was entertaining because the last couple Super Bowls, they were kind of iffy, you know, not too much excitement in some of them. But uh, this was a really good Super Bowl. And, I mean, congrats to the Chiefs. Uh,
1: They won it. They deserved it. Um, But, yeah, it's really it. Exactly. Josh was saying that Dallas Goddard came out and said that it wasn't really any of the other outside factors that made them lose. It was the Eagles that lost. Why do you think the Eagles lost this game?
3: I mean, they, they did not come out in the second half the way they should have. I mean, they couldn't stop a nosebleed in the second half. I mean, if you go out and you score 35 points, you should win a football game. They, this vaunted pass rush that we talked about that we thought was going to be the determining factor in the game, especially the matchup between Hassan Rick and uh, Andrew Wiley. The Chiefs won that by a landslide. There wasn't a single sack. There really wasn't even many times. Other than when Jordan Davis tackled that one time where there was significant pressure felt that won him the game. And then, of course, what we said with Pacheco, potentially, you know, having a big impact. He had 62 yards and, what, a touchdown, too. Mm-hmm. That was big. I mean, Eagles' defense, they really didn't, they didn't stop the run. They didn't get after the passer. They did nothing that they've been able to do all year. I felt that was the main reason. Offensively, they played great. Jalen Hurts had a historic performance, 300 yards passing, a touchdown, three rushing touchdowns. The only blemish being that really bad fumble where he just dropped it. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, they played perfect. I mean, they went on, they scored 35 points. There's not much else they can do.
1: Nine out of ten times, 35 points is going to win you that game probably. Yeah. It just happens you were going against Patrick Mahomes, who in that first half a lot of people thought he may be down for the count when he came out uh, at halftime. He was limping. He had gotten hit. You saw his ankle get rolled up on. Um, How much of a difference do you think that extra time in the halftime Made for Patrick Mahomes in the second half of this game to at least game manage like he did.
3: I thought it definitely helped. I mean, you get an extra uh, twenty minutes to get your ankle right, shoot him up with whatever <laughs> wonderful substances they could have given him. That helped. Um, I mean, I mean, they really his ankle was really night and day in the first half. From when he got hurt to he literally had a thirty yard run. So. Whatever they did, the training staff, whatever they gave them, it worked.
1: Do you think after seeing that and, you know, with how many injuries we've been seeing pile up over the season, uh, these past couple of seasons, do you think it could be something that they could change for all games and make it a longer halftime for each team? Or do you think NFL is too much of a business needs the games to go by fast? No, this is a business and yeah. we're in
3: America. They're not going to do that. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's just, like you said, it was just night and day for Patrick Mahomes out there after that halftime. Um, and I think a lot of it came down to the play calling. You looked at those two goal line touchdowns that they had. Yep. Andy and Eric Bienemy. He
3: saw Andy that. He uh-huh. just went crazy with those play calls. In the Eagles-Jacksonville game, week three, I believe, of this season, week four, they noticed that Jamal Agnew, they did a similar play where they motioned him in to do a fake jet sweep. And then it was man defense. And then he goes back the other way and he was wide open. It's a copycat league. They saw that. It's worked twice with Kadarius Tony, then Sky Moore on opposite sides of the field. That was a great scheme, great play called by Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. I and mean, when you're watching it, it was like on that first one with uh, Kadarius Toney, he had Darius Slay covering him, which I think a lot of people would think that's automatic lockdown. They would never throw it that way just because Darius Slay is there. Yep. But it takes a great offensive mind to also know that Darius Slay was calling the defense on that play. And you could see when they started doing the motion, Darius Slate immediately turned his head to the right and was yelling at the entire defense to go. And while he was doing that, they f- flashed him back outside to uh, Tony. Tony. And I think if you did that on the other side, it may not have worked as well because I don't think that guy's calling the defense. I don't think James Bradbury would be calling the defense in that uh, assignment. And then when the field flipped and they did it on the other side, you could see could James Bradbury do the same thing. He was calling the defense on that play. And they ran it, same thing on that side. Perfection. Yeah. It was gorgeous. It was great play calling. You know, th- these are the things that I wish Eric Bien-Aimé, like would get a job for. Yeah, he's
3: great. I don't know what it is. I mean, the only negative thing I've ever heard about was was LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy says that about everyone. So, I don't know what it is. Maybe he just interviews very, very bad. Maybe it's because he's like five four. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, Or, I mean, maybe he just likes being an offensive coordinator. You know?
3: Yeah, I mean, he deserves a job. I hope he eventually gets one. There was some talk about him leaving to be the O.C. of the Ravens and be, like, the head play caller, but I don't, I don't mind staying with the Chiefs, again, in the middle of the year to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> uh,
1: before the game, there was reports that Andy Reid was possibly talking about retirement. Do you think that has anything to do with Eric Bieniemy sticking around?
3: I wouldn't be surprised. I, I could see him taking over the Chiefs. I did see a couple articles written by Chicago... Uh, outlets saying that maybe Matt Nagy could be the eventual replacement of the of Andy Reid, but I think it'd probably be Beanie at this point. I hate Matt Nagy. He got a ring, which just yeah, when I saw his face, when I saw the his line. stupid face on the TV, <laughs> I wanted to just run into the backyard and just run into the fence.
2: Yeah, that that one made me mad. Have that one,
3: seeing him hold the trophy
1: backyard. made me very upset. Josh, um, with this Eagles team, what do you think they need to do this offseason to make sure they come out with a championship next year?
2: Um, Keeping Jalen Hurts healthy, number one. I mean, they had a really good O-line. And, I mean, they proved it. They had one of the best O-lines in the game. And that's something that I did want to talk about really quick, that that O-line, that entire game, was babying Chris Jones whenever it was, um, you know, fourth and one, fourth and two. They did it from the from fourth and two in the red zone and scored a touchdown off of it, which was insane. Like, that O-line was the definition of a powerhouse because they were, I mean, yeah, they lit up some stuff with um, the one guy you predicted that would just go off instead of Chris Jones and... Bolton's yeah, like... They could not stop that guy, but they were able to stop Chris Jones and prove that Chris Jones can be stopped and stopped him that entire game. Besides the one where they had the sneak and Chris Jones went over the top but still couldn't get the tackle on Hurts. But, I mean, they got to keep Hurts healthy. That's a big part. I think they should go out and recruit uh, some more receivers because uh, other than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I forget – who the other two receivers are they had Haskell some and quez walkins yeah they had some okay plays but other plays where it like kind of hurt them in the game um goddard's there he's their guy for tight end he did really good in that game he had a lot of receptions really great catches too especially with that whole controversial call where on the sideline um but um, they gotta—they honestly have to be worried right now. With they're talking about Jason Kelsey maybe retiring, so they gotta try and fill his shoes if he does retire, which is gonna be kind of hard to do.
1: Not just him, but Lane Johnson. There's rumors about him. That's
3: yeah. So have. I mean, they did draft
2: a replacement last year for Kelsey. He's been grooming him, but for, for Lane
3: Johnson, yeah, that'd be a colossal yeah. loss. Yeah.
2: So I mean, there are minor things, but I mean having two of those great offensive line may be retiring. That's going to kind of hurt a little bit, especially with the Lane Johnson like you're talking about. But, I mean, it's minor things they have to fix, you know, especially with how Andre had that play call and you have your 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 one of your captains call that defense and continue running, not even looking back to make sure the guy's running with him, stuff like that to train. But it's like simple stuff because they're contenders already for this next year coming up, you know. Um, but it's just, like I said, it's minor things in, like, the O-line, you know, maybe the D-line here and there, the secondary. But overall, they're still a contender for next year. But it's just minor details that they have to fix and watch out for. Yeah, I just think they need to really navigate how they
3: seem to build their team very carefully. They do have 19 free agents, with a lot of them being on the defense, like, you know, Javon Hargrave, uh, Brandon Graham. Brand- they're gonna have to Cox free figure, yeah. Cox. They're gonna have to figure that out because you know their defense is very good. I have them. I would let Miles Sanders walk just so you can pay those guys, especially Hargrave, who's a beast. Um, obviously, yeah, there is the potential of the Kelsey retirement, which I think is gonna happen. But I think they'll be prepared. They drafted one of the better centers in the draft last year, and that Jergens from Nebraska, Lane Johnson. If they, he does retire, then they can draft the offensive tackle. Thankfully, with that tenth overall pick. Uh, defense Chance Gardner Johnson. He's also a guy that could leave was was great for him this year. They just if they just, you know, extend Hurts, do what they need get that done, get that out of the way, and then figure out, you know, who they can keep, how they're gonna keep keep him, then they'll be okay. It helps that they have two first round draft picks, of course. I feel like you got if they let Sanders walk, they just draft a running back with that thirty first overall pick. And yeah. Uh but they have a great team. They just gotta make sure they don't lose too much and just grow off this year. This year was a surprise. We knew they were going to be an improved team. We knew maybe a division winner, but we didn't think this. They were 16-2 with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. This is an all-time team that didn't win the Super Bowl. So I think they'll be fine. You know, they're in a good division now. The Giants are going to get better. The Cowboys, they will they'll be the Cowboys. The commanders, if they fix the quarterback in the O-line, they can be a contender. This guy to continue to build, and I believe Holly Roseman will.
1: You know, not only were the Eagles a surprise this season, but the Chiefs were a surprise this season. I think a lot of people, and that sounds weird because they were both the number one seeds in the playoffs, the youngest teams, teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't expect this Chiefs team to do as well. They expected the uh, AFC West to just be loaded this year, and then two of the teams sputtered out three games into the season with the Vegas Raiders and the Broncos. Um, do you think this team, this uh, Kansas City Chiefs team, is going to be able to compete? just as hard next year with oh, yeah. these teams even getting a little more time playing together, like the Broncos with a new coach. Um, do you think this is still a Super Bowl?
3: This team is going to be even next better year? next year. They they are all young. They played eight rookies on defense. That's only The only teams that played more were the Bears and Texans. They have eight rookies on defense that are significant players. Their offense is all first- and second-year guys other than Mahomes and Kelsey. The O-line, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, both second-year guys. Wiley's still pretty young. Brown is young if they resign him. Uh, Thune, not that old. Uh, you know, the receivers, you know, Kadarius Tony second year. Sky Moore, rookie. Two guys that, Kadarius Toney, once he gets a full year, in this offense is going to be crazy. Man, there's no ACLs for Christ's sake. <laughs> Sky Moore, second year. Juju and Scantling and all the other guys, they're in their 20s. And Pacheco's young, too. Pacheco's a red, exactly. Pacheco's a rookie. I mean, everyone on their defense is locked up. Bolton, Gay, they're both young. Jones, they gave him a deal a while back. Everyone's gonna come back. Like they're really not gonna lose. They might lose a guy here or there, but not a lot.
1: How much of a difference do you think? Let's say Andy Reid does retire, does that make for this team?
3: It makes a huge difference. Andy Reid's one of the best coaches of all time. He says he's he'll be back for this year. Maybe you know in twenty twenty four he'll leave, but for right now, all reports are saying. I mean, what he said after the game is he'll be back for this year, and. I think they could repeat.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking with him, do you think this Super Bowl firmly cements him as the number two head coach of all time?
3: Yes. Yeah. I would as- say so. I mean, if he – say they pull out that one against the Buccaneers, I mean, it would be even more so. But he has the wins. He has the numbers. Now he, he he got rid of the whole can't win a big game thing. He's here now. I mean, I would put him second overall. Behind Bill Belichick,
1: yeah. do you think? And you know, obviously, maybe not as strongly as before. Now, with retirement rumors in the future, do you think there's any chance he passes Bill Belichick as the best coach of all time?
2: I think if he three uh, repeats for the 23 season, I think if he does that, he has a chance of doing it. And also having Mahomes pass Tom Brady, you know, because I mean, obviously, it's a it's a stretch to say that. I understand. But with the numbers that Mahomes puts up every season, it's hard to argue that you that we're going to say Mahomes isn't going to pass Brady. I feel like Mahomes has that potential to pass Brady, maybe not in Super Bowls, but in like career stats and things he does all-time, definitely. Yeah, and the thing with that is Reed can say he won
3: without an all-time great quarterback. Bill Belichick hasn't won without Tom Brady, especially mm-hmm. if he has another one or two years where he goes 8-9, 7-10, looks bad like they did this year. There's a legitimate chance, because people are now like I still think Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, but he has not looked good without Tom Brady. His teams have not been good without Tom Brady. Andy Reid, he went to the Super Bowl with McNabb. He was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He wasn't all time great. Alex, they made the playoffs every year with Alex Smith. You know, Alex Smith is
1: Alex Smith. He's solid, but it's a guy who'll get a 87 overall in Madden yeah, every he's random the year. Guy, he's yeah. Like the, <laughs> yeah.
3: There's that, and then the fact that he's he built winners with two different teams. Yeah, Belichick. He didn't. He was on the Browns that long. He did have one really good year, but they were never a championship caliber team. He's now he has now done that with two teams, in three different decades.
1: Mm-hmm. Sticking with that all time question and moving over to Mahomes, you mentioned before after this Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP also, uh, where would you put him all time in all time quarterbacks already? I
2: mean, right now, I'd put him top five, definitely. And if, if they go on and repeat for a back to back, he's top three, easily. But the stats he puts up during the season, that's easy.
3: I'd say number two. With Mahomes, it's just because he's so young. If you just took uh, all the accomplishments and just looked at the film, he's better than Joe Montana. If you just look at the film, he's better than Joe Montana. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. He does more things. He does things that we've never seen before. I think he's better than Aaron Rodgers. Because they're they have similar type games. He's done more in five years than Aaron Rodgers has done in 15. More Super Bowls, more of this. And really, Aaron Rodgers won Super Bowl is very fraudulent. Due to the Jay Cutler injury. <laughs> and Caleb Haney being Caleb Haney. And stupid BJ Rogers. Yes. It's <laughs> very fraudulent. He didn't score a single point in that second half. I would put him in number two. I mean, he's just better than anything we've ever seen, really. If he beat Brady in that Buccaneers Super Bowl, he might be the best of all time. If he, if he, back then, if he pulled out that game, imagine.
2: Yeah, if he didn't lose thirty-one to nine. Yeah, if he didn't, if the team around
3: didn't crumble. still had an
1: insane game. Yeah. <laughs> um. That, that was going to kind of lead me to my next question. How, how quickly do you think it will take him to pass Brady as the number one quarterback? I think it will be quicker than what
2: Brady did. It will take a while. I think it will be quicker. I don't think he'll ever catch Brady in
3: championships.
2: Either. Oh, definitely not. Was we'll that your question? Five.
3: Just in general.
2: Oh, in general? Yeah. It will be definitely quicker. Not in championships. No way. No, I don't think he can try to beat him in championships, but I don't think there's anyone out there who's going to beat Brady in championships. But – Stats wise, yeah, he'll and just him. best quarterback of all time, he'll definitely pass him quick. Quick. If you just take a look at the con just look at the film, who
3: do you think who would you rather take? You see him running around doing all this crazy stuff, making these throws we've never seen before in the attempt right, he's just you kind know, of obviously the greatest of all time, but just a statue. Who are you taking? Taking Mahomes. Taking Mahomes. If you just who, who looks more special? It's Mahomes. you have never seen anything like him.
1: And then, you know, just for curiosity's sake, just general best players of all time, where would you put Patrick Mahomes right now? Top 25.
3: I don't really like having quarterbacks, like, it's the greatest player of all time. I don't really like that. I like having, like, because if they couldn't throw, they wouldn't be here. If Tom Brady couldn't throw, he'd be working. He, he had an internship at Goldman Sachs, I believe. He'd be working at Goldman Sachs. If Mahomes, at least with Mahomes, if he... Say he couldn't throw, you know, he's 6'3", 245. He could have been a decent, like, tight end or something. I personally am more of, like, a, you know, a Jerry Rice, Walter Payton is the best of all time. Mm-hmm. That's what I have. But I'd have him a the top 25. I mean, especially
1: just based off how young he is. If he retired right now, he'd be a first Bell Hall Famer. Yeah. And then my last question about the Chiefs in all-time is Travis Kelsey.
3: Where's, he's the greatest tight end of all time. He's the
0: greatest.
1: Confidence. Yes, that.
3: he's gonna have another two, three years just like this. He's the greatest tight end of all time. He's broken all the postseason receiving records, including receivers. Yeah, Prime Gronk was awesome, but availability is the best ability. Travis Kelsey's that. He's little he might not be as good as a blocker, but they don't ask him to block a lot. Whenever he does block, I've seen him. It's not bad. He gives effort. Yeah, he gives effort. He gets in the way you know gets the block. Doesn't need to be. It's not you know nineteen eighty seven where you need to be a great blocker and then occasionally go out for a pop pass. (laughs) The Mike Ditko. Yes, I would have him as the greatest tight end of all time. Shannon Sharpe says he's best greatest tight end of all time. It's it's him. So, I'm going best tight end of all time.
2: Josh. I agree with that. I'm not going to really argue with that because I mean. It's hard to argue with that when you stack him with one of the best quarterbacks right now. It's it's hard to argue with that, and I I agree with Lee. I mean, he does this for another two three years. It solidifies him. Same, if he does what he does for the next two to three
1: years or even more, he's first ballot Hall of Fame too. Well, I have one more question. <laughs> one more, Mahomes and Kelsey together. Ranks in duos top five
3: they've won two Super Bowls together I mean
1: yeah
3: it helps that Joe Montana and Jerry Rice you know Jerry Rice kind of played equally with both him and Steve Young mm-hmm. they did and plus Jerry Rice was only around for two Super Bowls with Joe Montana so that helps and then if he was around earlier maybe I had put him but
1: I'd say they top five right now right. Uh, going back to the Super Bowl want to do our offensive MVP defensive MVP big man and donkey Exactly, who's your offensive MVP of this game?
3: I know he lost, but Jalen Hurts. I mean, that was a record performance. We've never seen that before. He, he, other than one play, he was flawless. I mean, he had more yards, he had more rushing yards, he had more rushing touchdowns than Pat Mahomes. Pam Mahomes just had a couple more touchdowns, but I thought Jalen Hurts played the best game out of anyone on offense.
2: Josh, who do you got? Isaiah Pacheco. He ran the ball really nice. He. He got cracked a few times, <laughs> I will say that, but um, he he ran the ball really well. He really put the he really put the Chiefs in position to do what they needed to do,
1: and I mean that helped him a lot during the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is also gonna be from the losing team, but Devonte Smith. Uh, I think he had a fantastic game. I think early in that game he was just open all the time. Like Jalen Hurts was just feeding him the ball. I think he had like six of their first eight completions or something like that. Uh, and I also want to give an honorable mention to Dallas Goddard because mm-hmm. at the end of that game he made a lot of really cl- clutch catches and plays that yes. were just huge for this team uh, to even keep them alive going into that. Um, so I think those two guys really deserve a lot of credit for, you know, again, keeping Philadelphia in this game and honestly a game that they could have won if they were playing anybody else. Um, Sackley, who's your defensive MVP?
3: Nick Bolton had the big touchdown. And made but- Almost had another touchdown, too. He had a bunch of big plays. I mean, no one on the Eagles really did anything well on defense, so I got to go with
2: Nick Bolton. I think that's what I have to go with, too. I really didn't see too much of a big performance on the Eagles side. That line was getting not manhandled, like, but, I mean, the Kansas O-line really did
1: a really good job that game, so it's really hard to give it to the Eagles side. But,
2: yeah, Nick Bolton. Mm -hmm.
1: Just for the sake of saying somebody different, I think Frank Clark just turns it on in, like, primetime games. Like, he just knows, like, he's he's just a different player in those games. And there's a lot of times this game, even though they didn't have a lot of sacks, I think they only ended up with one sack as a team, too. I think there's one sack in the game. Frank Clark was getting pressure all game. There was a lot of times where Jalen Hurts had to roll out, and that's why he got so many rushing yards, because Frank Clark was getting back there while they were triple-teaming Chris Jones. Uh, So I'd have to give it to him. Sackley, who's your big man of the week?
3: Go with... Chiefs O line. (laughs) They did what no team could do all year and held the Philadelphia Eagles to zero sacks and really no pressures. And they ran the ball pretty efficiently as well. Gotta go with them.
2: I'm going with the Eagles O line. Uh, They had a very dominant year, very good performance in the Super Bowl. Um, They really showed that Chris Jones isn't the monster that he always is. Um, Although, you know, there were other factors that contributed to the Kansas winning, but the Eagles
1: O line, they were really good. I'm gonna go with Jason Kelsey specifically. Um, I think when you watch this game, the amount of times the Eagles did the QB sneak and got it, mostly because Jason Kelsey was driving his dude two yards back and gave Jalen Hurts a little bit of room he needed to get forward. It it was every time. Like, they ran it, I think, 10 times at least.
3: They probably pulled him 10 or 12 times, too. Uh, Yeah, he
1: was just out there doing everything he could to help this team win. And usually people don't see that impact from an offensive lineman. I think watching this game – the way he just trucked dudes when he was pulling yeah. to. Like, he was full speed running Jeez through guys. Beast. Like, that was the highlight of plays, and everybody watching could see that. And, you know, that's really impressive from an offensive lineman standpoint. And then finally, our donkey of the week. Exactly, who do you got?
3: Whoever made that turf field, they spent $800,000 on it. You're, no way. Are you really calling out the sod father? Yes, <laughs> I am. Whoever made that. I posted a video, but I got a million views. $800,000. <laughs> $800,000. $800, and people are slipping. The kicker couldn't even keep his footing. I mean, it was terrible. I get, I'm get. i not going to say it cost anyone anyway. the game. It didn't. But it's the Super Bowl, and you guys want to experiment with new turf.
1: And they were bragging about it before the game, too. Like, all these posts about how they spent so much money and so much time and two years on yeah, this field. It was terrible. <laughs> Josh, who's your doggy of the week?
2: Um... It's a hard one. I'd probably say the corner from the Eagles that got that last holding call. Um, yeah, he admitted what he did, but to think that he would think that they would let that slide was kind of goofy. So, yeah,
1: that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, especially from a guy who many say is a top-ten cornerback in the league. Yeah. You know, he's he should should be better than that. And when you watch it from multiple angles, he grabbed him. Like, every, a lot of people are still complaining about how it wasn't holding or whatever. When you watch it, he grabs his jersey and pulls him back. Yeah. Like, you see it happen. I don't think it had. I think even if he didn't do it, the ball would still been overthrown. Yeah. But, he but it's, it's holding. It's not pass interference, it, yeah, so it doesn't matter. It's holding. But um, My donkey of the week is going to be Juju. Uh, yeah, today, he posted a post about the James Bradbury. So James Bradbury handled the call very well. Yeah, very professional. He uh, went on <laughs> uh, in interviews right after the game and said he did do it. It was his fault. You know, like, he should know better. He should play better. Uh, And then Juju came out today and started clowning him on Twitter for literally no reason. Yeah. And, like, that's one of my least favorite things. And, you know, I was liking Juju this season because he was kind of backing away from that media spotlight that everybody was putting on him and, like, allowing to take over how good of a player he is. And I thought he was going to be able to, you know, move forward as a person. And then he goes back and does this. And it's just kind of like the Eli Apple thing. How do you expect anybody to be a fan of you? when you can't back up what you're saying and then riding on the coattails of your team yep so that that is my donkey of the week we are going to take a quick break to heat up our food when we come back we're going to have our second food battle is between a culver's butter burger with cheese and chick-fil-a mac and cheese so we'll be right back
0: You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only
1: on WRSE. Alright folks, welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you are just tuning in, you missed us talk about the Super Bowl. We are now moving on to our second ever food battle. This food battle came from a question stemmed by Josh. He asked, what would you guys have for your final meal if you were on death row? Uh, the tournament that we had before, it was between uh, Chick-fil-A mac and cheese, a Culver's burger, um,
2: chicken, parm
1: chicken Parm, and schnitzel, and, and we decide, <laughs> contrary to <laughs> Josh's opinion, <laughs> it was <a> tough one, <laughs> the man. mac and cheese and the Culver's burger were going to win out. We're going to start off by tasting the Chick-fil-A mac and cheese. Gentlemen, grab your forks. Exactly, sticking in. Delicious. Noodles are a little soft. What, do you want them hard? Well, I want them, you know, a little firm, a little texture. I don't want them mushy, you know, and they're a little mushy.
2: I think the cheese adds enough texture to it, in my opinion.
1: Mm. (laughs) Sorry for the chewing sounds, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Exactly, give us your uh, breakdown. Ten of out reactions. of ten. <laughs> oh my god! No description, or anything, just 10 out of 10. Just listen to this. I don't think I don't wants think they can hear that. It. I don't <laughs> think they can hear that.
3: Okay, maybe that one. For those of you that remember that
1: that viral Vine from like seven years ago, <laughs> we're not an ASMR show.
3: Yeah, it's just the texture, the cheese, the flavor, the amount of cheese that's in it, the fact that it's not like oversaturated or like too saucy it's
1: just perfect josh give us your uh diagnosis here
2: um i definitely agree with exactly it's not like too saucy or too like liquidy i mean i do like a liquidy mac and cheese um we did have it sit here for a little bit but if i'm gonna be honest and it's not because my food wasn't picked i don't want to hear it
1: uh i'm gonna give it an eight yeah, I like Chick fil A mac and cheese. It's not my favorite mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese in general. So like it could be like craft mac and cheese out here and I'd still give it like a five out of ten at least. Um like I said, the noodles it's a little mushy for me. I like my mac and cheese a little creamier. Um it's still very creamy. You know, it's just not like anything special to me. I would give it like seven point five. That's what I'm going with. Wow.
2: From being uh, from Wisconsin, I'm surprised about that one. Oh,
1: uh, I'm more of a cheese curd guy. If I'm going to go with cheese, you know, maybe a cheeseburger, you know. We'll see. (laughs) All right. We're going to move on over to the Culver's Burger. Give that a little taste test here. These are a little colder than the mac and cheese. It's fine. Yeah, that's delicious.
3: Yeah, it was good. It was good meat. I love good meat.
1: <laughs> you love good meat in your mouth, Zachley. <laughs> I'll go first. Josh will see it.
2: This is a ten. I love the char on the burger. It's seasoned really well. The condiments aren't too heavy. The cheese is really good, still for it being kind of cold. Um, but yeah, this, this is amazing. This is a nice. This is a nice burger.
1: exactly what are you breaking down here? Yeah, it's seasoned well. It's nice and charred. You do like that. Cheese is good. Yeah, i give it like 9 out of 10. This is not the best Culver's burger I've had, I will say. I've had a couple better ones back in my day. I'm kind of a Culver's connoisseur, if you will. <laughs> um, You know, there's not enough cheese on it. Usually, you know, they throw on an extra piece. not feeling an extra piece here, you know. Which one, like, on the top patty? They don't got it on the top patty.
2: It's Illinois, man. Come on.
1: I know. It's bogus. They don't know how to do it right. Just put the mac and cheese on the burger. Oh, that's a good idea. I might have to do that after this. Where's um, your extra cheese? <laughs> you know, the char the burger is very good. They are right, the other guys. <clears throat> I'm going to have to give it a 9 out of 10 as well. Wow. Again, not the best one. Usually, I give a good Culver's burger a good 10 out of 10. Not this one. This is just a 9 out of 10. I also had a concrete mixer earlier. That was a 10 out of 10. I love concrete mixers. (laughs) Food's already flowing through Sackley, (laughs) apparently.
3: The real loser in this is you guys, because I'm lactose (laughs) intolerant. You guys are going (laughs) to feel the rest of
1: this show. Not them, us. (laughs) Yeah. All right, with that, I believe the Culver's Burger has won the second food battle. If you guys are listening... Be sure to comment on the post that we will post at the halfway point. On that, uh, say which one you would choose in this food battle. Tag three of your friends. And then next week, we will do a drawing to figure out who won this food battle from the fan side. All right, we're going to take another quick break just to clean up here. When we come back, we're going to give you guys a breakdown of the XFL. Be right back.
0: You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. All
1: right, folks. Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you guys are just tuning in, you missed us, talk about the Super Bowl. Have our second food battle uh, where the Culver's Burger won that one. Again uh, watch for at the halfway point when we post uh, our post for it make sure to tag a couple friends in and choose a, tell us who you would choose to win the battle moving on now we're going to be talking about the XFL we wanted you know to pay attention to one of these new leagues starting while the NFL's taking their little bit of a break here uh, each of us have picked a favorite team uh, the games start this Saturday Sackley, who's your team in the next XFL Boo. who do you got on there what's that team looking like oh
3: i'm correct i believe that team has pulled up one second friend oh, who's you know married to like miss usa <laughs> and won two national daddies at Dem. so i think that 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 right there uh the name to watch is mateo durant remember him at duke he was a beast his senior year Brian Hill was a good, solid running back in the NFL. Uh, Marcel Aitman, solid experience, really receiver, as well as Hakeem Butler. Austin Pearl, Darius Shepard, former Bear, LaCale London.
1: I just think this is a good overall team. Exactly. who do you got over there?
0: Or er,
2: Josh. Whoa, come on, man. My bad. I got the Las Vegas Vipers. So, you know, I got Luis Perez, quarterback. I got... Oh, what's his name? Martavis Bryant. Really excited about that one. I got Sean Price, too. Real good tight end. So I'm very excited for my Las Vegas Vipers.
1: And I am a fan of the Arlington Renegades. Ooh. We got Kyle Sloter at quarterback, hopefully. You know, preseason legend Um, with... No, not much else on this team besides <laughs> Kyle uh, Will Hill is our star on defense. Hey. He, Baltimore Ravens legend for that one play against Cleveland. Yeah, And we are also coached by College Football Hall of Famer Bob Stoops. Oh. So we got some experience in the head coaching room. Um, what is one thing you guys are excited for about just the XFL coming back?
2: I'm just excited it's back. You know, I'm excited The Rock and his ex-wife took The initiative to actually you know go and take it from the direction it was in and move it to a better direction uh that's just me in my opinion um i mean i talked a lot about it with my dad and how you know he remembers watching it back in the day and how it was like really like brutal and stuff and how there weren't really any like rules and whatever it was just like more of like a wwe type of thing because obviously jim mcmahon just uh you know got bought out um but he said that's all it was was just another version of wwe but just football and you know mcmahon gave him scripts to read and everything and it just kind of seemed uh like another version of it and it was just boring so i mean i'm excited to see how it's going to go and to see if a lot of people are interested in it i hope i would hope so because it's still football you know it's you know we had we took a break for the nfl good tv deal too yeah, so it's still football. We have the XFL and then the USFL in June, and I mean, then we have more sports coming up. But I'm very excited f- to see how this plays out.
1: Exactly. What are you excited for in the XFL?
3: Drinking
2: beer in the locker room.
3: <laughs> I just love talking about like how much fun these guys were having. Like, they're doing that. They're having a lot of fun in the silence, the celebrations. Just like, you know, these guys are just they're trying to make it as a professional football player. You know, some of them work normal jobs.
2: One of them, as you said earlier, Josh.
3: Left the police force, right?
2: Yeah, Sean Price. He's on the Vi- Las Vegas Vipers. He was uh, pol- an officer. I forgot where exactly, but they drafted him, and now he's uh starting a tight end for them.
3: Yeah, you got guys like that. I just love seeing the enthusiasm for the game. They're not making too much money. It's just love to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a couple years ago when the XFL was, you know, back up again for like the third time, and now it's like the fourth time now. Um, you saw guys like P.J. Walker in themselves NFL oh, yeah. contracts. Yep. There's a lot of players in the XFL that are in themselves NFL contracts. I believe contracts. Donald Parnham too. Mm-hmm. Luis
2: Perez, he went to the Rams.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a really cool opportunity for a lot of these guys. And as a football fan, it's fun to see these guys fight for that spot, you know, on an NFL team. When Watching P.J. Walker a couple of years ago in the XFL was one of the most fun football times I've had. Yeah. Like, just the highlights he was putting up in that league. And, yeah, he's not playing against the best competition, but it's all guys who are trying to fight for their dream to play football. Yeah. And it's, it's just a really cool experience, you know. And I don't think uh, Vince McMahon was really the right person for that. I don't really think he's a good person <laughs> in general. So I think, you know, to be able to do it in wrestling is one thing where you really can't control every outcome of the game. In football, you can't really control every outcome of every single play. Um, so you're never really going to get that same kind of you know, authentic TV that you would get out of the wrestling. And because of that, it was just kind of like a free-for-all yeah. when he was running it, and it, that didn't really amount to anything because people didn't want to just see a free-for-all. They wanted to see guys play football, and a lot of people wanted to see them play football violently, but at one point it became a danger to them, and people don't really want to see people in danger. They just want to see people have fun and hit hard. Yeah. And I think The Rock uh, could have a really good impact on that and help build this league in the direction that needs to go and eventually truly becoming an NFL developmental league. And I think that's something the NFL has been lacking behind in. Yeah. Uh, the NBA and MLB have both been doing it for ages now, and especially in the NBA, it started becoming <clears throat> something more of, you know, kids are bypassing going to college and playing in the G League. To help to make them more developed for the game and you can see it's really helping them when they get to the nba yeah because they're playing that nba level basketball and it's also drawing fans to that g league and i think the nfl could do the same thing with the xfl coming up here uh if you, they do decide to keep moving forward with this partnership that they're sharing <clears throat> uh just based off the teams and our quick overview before the show when we were looking through them who do you think's the favorite in the xfl this year Honestly, if i got to be serious, I
2: think the Battlehawks might be a favorite. I think they had a decent season last time they played. Um, but me being Vice fan, Las Vegas Vibers, come on.
1: Exactly who's taking it all.
3: In a lot of times when it comes down to like leagues like this, it comes down to who has like the best fan base, I feel. You know, if you're playing a home game and there's like 12 people in the stadium, it, it's never going to help. I mean, St. Louis is fiending for football ever since the Rams left. I think, you know, obviously last time they were pretty good. And they have a pretty experienced starting quarterback. The running back and receiver rooms are very NFL experienced, NFL heavy. Uh, <clears throat> I'd, yeah, I'd
1: probably go with my St. Louis Battlehawks. I think I'm going to have to go with the Vegas Vipers. I was a fan of them before Josh told me he was a fan of them, and I had to pick a new team. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's how I ended up with the Arlington Renegades. But, you know, I'm cheering for my boy Kyle Sloater. Um, You know, and I, the Vegas Vipers just got talent out there, man. Martavis Bryant, I think people forget how good he was before he got kicked out of the league, basically. He was a monster. Him and Antonio Brown were set to be one of the greatest wide receiver duos of all time. And then they both went nuts and fell out of the league. <laughs> So I'm going to have to go with them. Uh, out in Seattle, though, You know, I think that's a scary team. I was, I was
2: going to say, Seattle also might be a fan favorite because all of a sudden they, what, just last year or two years ago, they ended up with the NHL team, and that became a huge thing. Like, there are so many Seattle Kraken fans now.
1: Yeah, those, Seattle fans just... If they have a team there, they latch onto it. Those, yeah. Those guys are diehard. So,
2: out obviously, you know, you got the Seahawks out there. Now you got the Seattle Kraken's. And then now you have the Seattle Dragons. So, I think they might actually have a really huge fan base. And, like I said, that's how it might run off of. I feel like they're going to be a pretty good team and have a really good, solid fan base behind them.
1: And they got fan favorite Ben DiNucci at their quarterback. And, too. Ben DiNucci. And Josh, Gordon, and, and Josh Gordon a wide receiver.
2: Another, another, another uh, How can I say something controversial? Another CTE uh, football player, you know. I don't even know if it's that. He was kind of. That was just straight,
1: just marijuana. He was kind of in Martavis Bryant's boat of not being able to stay off drugs. Yeah,
2: I mean, he he tried to hide it with depression, which uh, you know could have been the case, but Mm -hmm. drugs.
1: Yeah. Uh, Next week we'll give you guys an update about the USFL. We're going to try to pay a little attention to that as well, Um, but. Like we said, we're super excited to start watching this XFL give us a little extra football while we're waiting for the NFL to come back, and we'll be sure to make you guys aware of what's happening in that league as well. Uh, Before we take a halftime break here, let's go ahead and do our draft for our top three Super Bowl players. Josh, you said you had a couple on your mind. I'll give you the first pick today. What do you got? I had James Harrison from the Pittsburgh Steelers against the the Cardinals, I believe. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, when he had that... Fumble recovery, return for a touchdown. That solidified him as probably one of the best, like, defensive lineman in the Super Bowl case for me. Uh-huh. Exactly. Who's your first round pick in this draft?
3: Mm, let's see. For me personally, I'd have to go with Max McGee, Super Bowl one. Say pull out. There's a what? legendary story. <laughs> man. There's a legendary story of the. Uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, there's a legendary story of you know the Lombardi Packers for that on Super Bowl day they had 8 a.m. team breakfast and uh, he well, he came into the hotel at 7 a.m. after a long night of partying and drinking it up as he said he had 16 beers and then he went out and he caught two touchdowns. So Max McGee Super Bowl one.
1: That's what I'm going with. Well, I think you could have saved that for your third round pick. I don't think me and Josh were taking Max Mikey. I don't think so either. Man. I just think it's just such a legendary story that it just it, it deserves it that was. first round. Uh, my first round pick is going to be Devin Hester. I'm a little bit of a uh, you know Homer biased here, but you know that kick return to open up that Super Bowl uh, for the Bears just to uh, blow it and not win the Super Bowl. Uh, that kick return was one of the greatest moments in NFL history, and I got to give him props for that. Josh, who's your second pick?
2: Ray Lewis,
1: Super Bowl 47. That was a really
2: good dominant performance by him, you know, up, up until, I believe, after that he retired, yeah. So I think he had a really good send off, so that's what I'm going with.
1: Exactly, your second
2: pick? Vaughn
3: Miller against the uh, Carolina Panthers. I mean, he absolutely dominated that game. He kind of ended Cam Newton's little run. He had multiple
1: sacks, he was in the backfield every single play. He was just a beast that day uh my second player another bears legend but tracy porter playing for the saints closing out the super bowl for the saints with one of the greatest pick sixes in history uh just an electric play you know really (laughs) gave life to that new orleans organization while they were going through a really hard time so you know tracy porter is gonna be my second pick josh who's your last pick in this draft
2: eli manning Ruining uh, Brady's perfect season, that was really good, especially with the um, oh, – I forgot what they called it. Oh, I forgot what they called the it. Helmet but, the helmet catch? Yeah, shot? the helmet catch. Yeah, that that was golden. And, I mean, he proved he was better in that competition. I mean, there are a lot of other determining factors. But, yeah, Elon Manning's my last pick.
1: He's exactly, has got a smirk on his face. So this is gonna be a good one. What Hold do you
3: on. got? Going with uh, Chris Matthews in the uh, Super Bowl two, <laughs> Super Bowl, Super forty nine. Yeah, he, uh, he was on the practice squad of the Seattle Seahawks all year, and he just popped off for one hundred and thirteen yards, and then they cut him next August. So, just felt that was just a Titan
1: performance. <laughs> <laughs> with my third pick, I'm gonna go. William the Fridge Perry oh. sticking with my Bears theme. And stealing for three. Walter Payton's touchdown. Yeah, you know, basically, I mean, you watch that uh, documentary. And it was kind of a like big deal that he stole Walter Payton's touchdown in that game, but he got the touchdown, and I think that is just one of the most beautiful things on earth is when a big man carries the ball, and that play is just gorgeous. It goes down as a big f you to the Patriots during that time. Uh, cause they did it the year before to the Bears, So, you know, Mike Dicka came out and said, I'm going to do it right back to you. And Walter, or uh, William refrigerator Perry is going to be my third pick because of that. All right. That was our super bowl, best super bowl player performance draft. Uh, you guys vote on our Instagram story who won that one. We'll post something up for that. So stay tuned for that. All right. When we come back, we're going to break down the NBA trade deadline. A lot of crazy moves happened. Uh, that not a lot of people expected so we're going to explain that to you guys and if we have some time at the end we'll talk about the world upcoming world baseball classic stay tuned
0: you're listening to the blue jay boys show with big chuck Sackman, and senor diaz only on wrse
1: How's everybody doing? Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys show. This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. If you guys are just tuning in, uh, you missed a bunch of good segments so far, but we are going to start talking about the NBA here. Uh, A huge NBA trade deadline, something that I don't think anybody expected uh, going into it. Uh, We talked about the Kyrie Irving trade to the Dallas Mavericks Uh, already, but let's start off. With his former teammate, Kevin Durant, getting traded at midnight, uh, the night before the trade deadline, to the Phoenix Suns from Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and a bunch of picks. Josh, how do you feel about this trade?
2: You know, I'm not surprised because, um, you know, I watched uh, a couple videos, I believe, with Pat McAfee. Um no it was uh espn it was that late at night espn show um they were talking about how this was a work in progress even before the deadline like this was something Kevin Durant wanted under wraps and um what hurt the most was that <laughs> i had went home the other night and my dad was telling me he was listening to the podcast on spotify and he was saying how you know it was he he was listening to the part where i said brooklyn was Kevin Durant was the baby of Brooklyn, right? They were looking to build around him and everything, and then a couple hours later, he gets traded. So that one kind of hurt me a little bit because I was, like, kind of gunning for Durant to stay in Brooklyn, but that happened. But um, the one thing that I was surprised about was these uh, unprotected picks. Um, Or were they lightly protected?
1: Uh, Let's see. A bunch of them are... Oh, uh, not protected, unprotected. Uh I think the 1st round pick is top fifteen protected
2: though. Okay. So that's the only thing I wasn't really like happy about because now you don't know what you're really uh getting into with those unprotected picks. You know that you have one solidified. Um, but I mean T J Warren's back with the Suns now. Um um uh, I mean, the Nets got some good guys, in my opinion. Um, Cameron Johnson's good. Mikhail Bridges is really good. Um, who's that last one? I can't see it on your screen. Cam no, no, no.
1: The Juan Pablo Valle. Oh. No, I do. Yeah, neither is. do I. Okay.
2: Um, but overall, I think this is what Durant wanted. He wanted to be on a team that's ready to be who was in the championship before, and he wants to help them get back there again but i think it's 87 days and counting he hasn't played so i don't know if we're gonna see that um i mean i believe phoenix is right under the mavericks in rankings i believe i think the mavs are fours phoenix is five um so i don't know if durant's ever gonna be healthy he might just be holding out right now until they make you know have that solidified uh have that solidified spot. Um,
1: Phoenix is four. Dallas. Is four. Oh, so
2: they sweat. Oh, yeah, because the they lost the Timberwolves. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he might just be holding out until you know the solidification of the seeds go in, and then he'll just randomly have a pop out postseason. But who knows? Um. So yeah, that's what I think about it.
1: Exactly. Where would you put the Suns in a Western Conference power ranking right now after this Kevin Durant trade?
3: I'd put them at number one. I mean, they. get... They were able to keep Booker and Paul. They have him.
2: They still have DeAndre Ayton, which is nuts. Even with a powerhouse like the Nuggets with Jokic and Jamal yeah. Murray.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't trust I trust Jokic, but I don't trust Murray and I don't trust Michael Porter Jr. to stay healthy and then especially with Porter to even play well. And they just traded Bones Highland, who's one of their best scorers off the bench. Didn't really understand that. And yeah. I, just, I trust Kevin Durant and Booker. I mean, Booker, everyone forgets. He was the first team on the NBA last year. He's a career 26 point per game scorer. We pair him with Chris Paul. Now all he has to do is pass. And they still have Aiden, who's one of the best young centers in the game. You got those four. Their bench is a little thin, but I'm sure they'll get someone in the buyout market. The way KD was playing this year before we got here was MVP quality.
1: I'm going with them. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, a lot of people after this trade have been saying that they look like a rejuvenated team, even though they're obviously not a better team for losing two of the best players, not only of the league right now, but of all time. Um, and watching them play, you really see that, you know, Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson bring this new young energy to the Bridges team that they don't really have. Bridges will star You know, Nick Claxton has been playing phenomenal. Uh, it was just the defensive side of the ball when you were watching them was just, the energy was just more there. And obviously I don't think this team is going to be better after these trades, but I also think they're going to be better in a different sense. I think they're going to be set up better for the future. Um, I think that they are still probably going to make at least the play in. Uh, They Mm -hmm. look like that good of a team. They have, you know, four starters that are, I would say, top 10 in their positions right now. Uh, Even though people wouldn't, you know, notice that. Just normally, um you know, Ben Simmons hopefully starts to take on a bigger role for this team. No, no. When you guys forget that he was a three-time all-star. And not, one of the best playmakers and defensive players I'm not, in the league. I'm
2: not And shooting he still him is down. a very
1: good playmaker and he still is one of the best defenders in the league. He just doesn't want to shoot the ball. He if can't he can't shoot the ball. Not even just shooting, just putting the ball up. Yeah, he doesn't even want to shoot. But if he's Jump forced hooks. to because he's not playing with Kevin he's Durant. He's not starting
3: covering, anymore. He's getting he 18 be, minutes a game. Now.
1: They don't have a point guard anymore.
3: Spencer Dinwiddie's back and balling like he used to.
1: Put Kevin er, uh, Ben Simmons out there with him. Spencer Dinwiddie's not playing defense. You need at least that out there. He's going to make his find his way back in that starting lineup. I guarantee you that. We'll see.
2: I mean, if he does, that's good and all. And I'm not taking away the three-time all-star or whatever from him or the defense that he can play. But it just doesn't seem like he doesn't, like he. Just, it, I don't know, like he just doesn't want to play basketball. Like I feel like if you put him on any team, like even Chicago, like I don't think he would make any type of production.
1: I just think people need to give him, you know, the space. He's been, you, you forget, he's played with Joel Embiid, and then he went from Joel Embiid to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He hasn't even had the opportunity recently, recently to like do that, and people haven't expected him to. Give him a little time to get back into that because when he was the star player, when Joel Embiid wasn't playing, was hurt, that rookie year and the two years after that, Ben Simmons was one of the best players in the league. Well, I mean,
2: now he has the chance to prove it. There's
1: not really too and I, much I, on the Brooklyn. I think you got to give him the chance to do that. I don't think anybody's giving him the chance to do it right now. I think he has the opportunity to help this team and be a leader on this team. He just has to want to, like you guys were saying, but I think he does have that ability. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was like, Jesus, man. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that he has that ability, and he does. He's shown it. So I think I think he could help this team still be top six in the East at the best. That would be pretty dang good in the East this year. <clears throat> Um, some of our other big trades, it looked like the Portland Trailblazers started kind of blowing it up a little bit. They traded um, Josh Hart away, uh, a lot of their other key you know, rotational pieces, but they kept Damian Lillard. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys do you think that was the right move for Portland? And also, do you think that was the right move for Damian Lillard? Um,
2: I don't think, I think them letting go of Josh Hart was, wasn't the right move. Um, I mean, I heard 27 points
3: last game with the Knicks, 10 of 14 shooting.
2: And I mean, you talked about it at the house before, Um, you know, Josh Hart was a really good key piece for them. Um, I mean, he was consistent coming off the bench. Um, And I mean, I understand Damian Lillard is their guy, but I feel like Josh Hart could have also been their guy. And that would have been a really nice deal to see out continue and grow. So, I mean, I just think that was um, obviously it's a business you got to do things to make your team successful, but I don't think that was one of the things that they should have done.
1: Exactly. How how much do you think Damian Lillard has left, and how much time do you think the Portland Trailblazers have left?
3: The Trailblazers' time ran out in 2019. That was the best they were ever going to do, and they lost to the Warriors in the 2018-19 Western Conference Finals. Ever since then, they've been a 10th seed, an 8th seed. You know, they barely made it into the playoffs in the bubble. They were a 10th seed last year, the year before. That's what they are right now. I thought they should have just blown it up already. They thought that trading for Jeremy Grant was going to make them a contender. That's no way that could possibly happen. <laughs> if I were them, I would just trade Lillard from Lillard. I don't know why, like... I could see him not wanting to trade back, you know, twenty seventeen through like twenty nineteen, when this team was still good. And he was like, you know, I'm not gonna leave my team. I don't run from the grind. Thing that he was doing, but this t- at this point, it's time to go, dude. They're they're never gonna build a good team around you. They've never put a single All Star around you in your entire career that you've been there. And you've been there for t- over ten years now. You're a smaller guard. You're six, barely six foot. You're over thirty. You're a four year college player, so you got into the league a little later. You don't, he only has, like, two or three more good years, probably. So, where does he go? Uh, before before the Kevin Durant trade, I always thought he should go to the Suns because then they'd just trade Chris Paul, and they'd get his contract off and do all that fancy stuff. Then they'd have a duo of, you know, Lillard and Booker. But now, I mean, the Lakers, they don't have anything to trade. The Clippers, cause those are his two hometown teams. He's not going to go there. Yeah. Uh, Personally, maybe like a team at this point like the Nets because they have not have the picks to do it. And Maybe, you know, a couple other guys that they could trade to them. But if I were the Blazers, I would trade Lloyd. I'd build around Simmons and Shaden Sharp. Have that be my young, fun backcourt. And then just
1: draft and do whatever you can to rebuild this thing. If I were the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would do everything I could. Except for you know, since they traded their entire roster away already, uh, if they still had that roster to have gone and got Damian Lillard, I think Damian Lillard would have been exactly what the Trail or the Timberwolves were looking for. Uh, it's exactly what they weren't getting out of DeAndre Russell, and I think they could have got that out of Damian Lillard. I think he would have been you know perfect fit for that team. Um, but obviously, I think the Trailblazers were just asking for too much. You know, I think what the Timberwolves or like it's just—they have the pieces. Let me just really? say that they have the pieces to go out and get Damian Lode. So the Timberwolves must have been, or the Trailblazers must have been asking for the entire team at yes. that point. At this point, who is the
3: Minnesota Timberwolves
1: starting point guard right now? I can't even think off the top of my head. Probably like Jordan McLaughlin, McLaughlin or whatever, the five foot two dude, or how tall he is. It's it's not. Oh yeah, the guy looks like. Oh, they traded Mike Conley. That's right, they got. Yeah, I Conley say
2: up. Mike Conley is there.
1: So that that was another deal that happened uh, during this trade deadline. But yeah, I mean Mike Conley's good. He's not going to win you a championship. I don't think he's that he's much of upgrade over D'Angelo Russell right now. No. Granted, D'Angelo Russell wasn't playing very well, but <laughs> still, at that point, you know, doesn't really help anybody. Um, kind of sticking with the Timberwolves and the Jazz and the Lakers here, let's move over to them. Uh, that was probably one of the other biggest trades of the trade deadline. D'Andre Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, and Malik Beasley are traded to the Lakers. Uh, for Poor Mike Scotty Pippen <laughs> Jr. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, they got traded for Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander, Walker, uh, and three second round picks is what the Timberwolves got, and the Jazz got Russell Westbrook in a bunch of picks. Um, Russell Westbrook is probably going to get bought out. Where do you see him going from now? Clippers.
3: The Clippers want him. The players on the Clippers want him. His hometown is LA. You know, it didn't work out in the Lakers, but it could work out for the Clippers. Much nicer fan base. and I think they'd be able to utilize him much better than the Lakers have. So I'd say there.
1: Not to mention the Clippers traded both of their point guards as well. So yeah. now they just have a vacancy in that point guard position. Uh, they got rid of Reggie Jackson and John Wall. John Wall going back to the Houston Rockets. Rockets.
3: <laughs> <laughs> After saying they were trash three weeks before that.
1: Uh, Josh, where do you see Russell Westbrook going? Um, I
2: definitely see the Clippers, but I mean I'm hearing a lot of talks about Chicago being interested in him and I could see that with them uh, giving up Levine or, you know, doing some type of weird thing um, with getting rid of Levine. I think we're going to keep DeRozan for sure um, because that's who – I mean, we did give Levine the max, but DeRozan's still getting a lot of uh, money. Um, I definitely see – I could see something working with Westbrook, maybe. Um, We'd have to figure something out in terms of money for him. Um, But I could see them maybe even – I think I saw some talk about him going to New York, even – Um, which I was that one I was pretty surprised about because, I mean, they have Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson over there already. Um, But I'm thinking the Clippers might be a better fit. Um, Like you said, they got rid of Reggie Jackson and John Wall, so that vacancy is um, very uh, eye-opening to him probably, but also to the owner of the team, thinking about getting an explosive guy like Westbrook who can really push the ball down the court and dish off to Kawhi or Paul George. I think that'll be a good... uh, Kind of
1: uh, fit in for him. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the Clippers owner, owner, Steve Ballmer. Russell Westbrook's the exact type of guy that Steve Ballmer wants. Oh, yeah. That man loves the star power. He's, like Sackley was saying, or you guys were saying, he's just trying to compete with the Lakers, basically. He doesn't care about anybody else in the league. He wants to be bigger than the Lakers. And yeah. you can see that with the way he recruits his players and yeah. you know, builds that team. He wants That's their Super Bowl. To be better than the Lakers. Uh, and I think Russell Westbrook is a guy that he looks at and goes, he just got traded by the Lakers. He probably doesn't like the Lakers very much right now. He used to be a MVP. Yeah. He can be really good when he's playing at the top of his game, and everybody loves him, basically. Might as well give him a contract. At the same time, I don't think Russell Westbrook, and I don't know where Russell Westbrook's mind is right now, but I'm guessing he wants to win an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. If he goes to the Clippers, I don't think he wins an NBA championship. Oh,
2: no, definitely not this year, no.
1: Um, the only problem with that is I don't think there's too many teams that are in position to win a championship right now that are looking to sign a guy like Russell Westbrook. because yeah. he could go to like the Bucks or something. The Bucks could use a backup point guard, but he doesn't really fit what the Bucks are. Yeah, you know, I don't think the Bucks would really want that. The Celtics don't need a backup point guard. You know, the Sixers don't need a backup point guard. Uh, you look at the teams in the West. You know, maybe like the Mavs, but the Mavs probably don't want another point guard that plays exactly the same way, uh, selfish type of basketball, and yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way, but a selfish type of basketball that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving both already play. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, a team like the Suns may be looking for a backup point guard, but at the same time, he doesn't fit well with... KD and Chris I was Paul gonna say, because yeah, of their history.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the the butting of the heads there would probably wouldn't work out too well and I mean you're not getting a you're not getting rid of Durant, you're getting rid of Westbrook if that were to happen. So yeah, it it's hard to find somewhere where he isn't going to butt heads with someone because he like he's been controversial with James Harden before. Um Kevin Durant obviously with the whole Oklahoma thing. Um the Lakers obviously. Um I mean it's hard to, like, look at where he would fit in correctly. But, I mean, somewhere with, like, the maybe even the Spurs or the Pistons, um, somewhere where it's, like, semi-young. I mean, you have your older guys there. But to where he knows he'll have that big leadership role and kind of stand out, I think that's more or less of what he wants um, to really be able to be like, this is my team. You know, like, I'm going to make sure my team wins stuff like that so it's really like i said it's really hard to see where you can find the comfort between player versus team instead of player versus player i think that's what it comes down to to him because he's very self-centered and, I mean, you have to. You're an NBA all-star. You were an MVP at one point, you know. You know you're a dog at the game. There was three years where he had to
1: be self-centered. Or yeah. Or the team wouldn't be good.
2: Especially once Harden left the Rockets. He was really self-centered. He balled out. And, I mean, it's like <clears throat> he realized there is a team around him, but it's more or less he played just for himself. And But now he has to realize he could still do that, but he has to – do that in the correct manner of utilizing his team if he wants to win the NBA championship. It can't just be him because that playoff run back in the day with him and Durant, that's what a team looked like, you know, dishing the ball, dunking, shooting, whatever, like back and forth type thing. That's what you need for him in order to really play at the top of his game, in my opinion. You know, I feel like he just can't get it done by himself anymore when he doesn't have a LeBron or AD on the court. So you have to put him in a situation or on a sorry, a team to where he can utilize the other person and feed off that energy, the equal amount of energy he puts out, and that's where you'll start to see the chemistry flow, and then the GMs in front office will notice it, and then they'll start to build around.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, kind of with what you were saying, I just want to... When he was on those Thunder teams, he wasn't the Russell Westbrook, like, with KD, on those Thunder teams with KD. He wasn't the Russell Westbrook that we saw when his MVP years were happening and the Russell Westbrook we see now. He was, you could see it was him still kind of learning and trying to find his place on this team. And I think he was better fit for that to win a championship. So if they were going to win a championship, it would be when he's younger. Yeah, I think he's too far gone to the point where he spent four or five years of his career saying, I have to do everything just in order to barely make the playoffs, you know, just in order to be 500. And I think even though his role has changed again to a smaller role for whatever team he's playing for, Mm -hmm. he physically can't go back to that. No. You know, his ability and the way he plays basketball, no matter how good he is anymore, he can't revert that mindset back. And because of that, I think he's probably a guy who probably never does win a championship. Or if it is, it's eighth or ninth man in the bench. Um, he's a guy who, like, at this point in his career, he's meant to just be on a team and ride out his career on a bad team, probably, and just be the best player on a bad team. Yeah. Because that's how he plays. That's how, When he was playing his own personal best, that's what the teams were like. That's all he knows. That's all he's ever going to be able to really do anymore. So as much as I would love to see Russell Westbrook win an NBA championship, I don't think it's going to happen because of that, because he's not a guy you want on your championship team. Yeah. And you've seen that with the Lakers, with the – Rockets with the Wizards with the Thunder who all tried to do it with him. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. And those teams had a lot of talent. So <laughs> we'll see where his career goes. I hope the best for him. You know, I hope he does win an NBA championship. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah. <clears throat> Sticking with the Lakers. Uh besides Vanderbilt, Beasley and Russell, they also added Mo Bamba, but also lost Thomas Bryant. Uh Thomas Bryant requested a trade, uh, and then they replaced him with Mo Bamba. Where do you see the Lakers? And I know I asked this about the Suns earlier. Where do you see the Lakers in the West Power Rankings now?
2: Play in team. That's what they'll be. Yeah, I see them as a 10 seed play in.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think is going to play the point guard position for this team now that Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly are out of there and DeAndre Russell kind of plays more of an off ball shooting guard role? Who is the true point guard of this team now then?
2: Most likely Dennis Schroeder. Um, that's probably their true point guard, but I feel like it's going to get split between Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell. How you're saying he is an off-the-ball shooting guard type guy, but I feel like they're going to give him more of the role for that because, I mean, in uh, Minnesota, that's what he really was either way. Even though he was that off-ball shooter, he was still pushing the ball, bringing up the ball most of the time anyway. So I feel like they'll give it to him. If not him, LeBron, most likely. So then D'Angelo can keep that solidified off-the-ball shooter um, and just let LeBron, you know, bring up the ball and have everything set in place. But it's either between Schroeder or D'Angelo Russell.
1: I was going to ask you, and you kind of brought it up with LeBron, do you see a world where they say, let's start LeBron at the one, D'Lo at the two, Rui at the three, uh, Vando at the four, and then Davis at the five?
2: I could see that. Um, I'd probably switch out. Who was your four? I couldn't hear you. Jared Vanderbilt. I'd probably, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I could see that happening. But I could also see them putting a Dennis Schroeder in there as well because he's a little bit faster and shiftier. Um, and he'll he'll make guys miss on cuts and everything. Like I said, he's faster and shiftier. But I could see those two as potential lineups. Um, maybe if LeBron plays more often rather than taking a lot of days off because I think what we said is his third or fourth day off already. Mm-hmm. If he could just continue to play, and yeah, you got you know your stuff coming up slowly, but it's coming up fast. Um, you know you gotta really like kick it into gear if you want to try and even make that 10, 10 spot uh, ten seed play in, because they have no. I'm sorry, they have no chance of making seven, eight, nine. They don't. Um, they're out of question. Out of one through six, they're if they make it in through one through six, something went. The script went wrong. Like. <laughs> you know um so but like i said they're 13th right now um they're below 500 i feel like where is the 10th seed right now not even at 5 or where are they
0: yeah
1: 29 30 the utah jazz see that's that's what i'm saying about that though is the lakers you say they can't they won't get in that 6 seed and chances are they probably won't if you look at this team they're not really a 6 seed team they're only five games away from the 6th seed. That's how close the West is. Like, they very much could get that 6th seed.
2: No, yeah, and if they do make it there, then, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I had them in the, You know, like, I'm going to be like, hey, good for them. You know, let's see what they can do. Um, because I feel like right now you get—you keep AD healthy, right? You go with the lineup we talked about. You get LeBron playing more. They have—yeah, they have a very good chance of making that 6th seed, but they can't—and this goes for any team in the league, Right. You have to win games you're supposed to win, but you're also supposed to win games that you're not supposed to win, you know? And I understand that with, like, a Golden State, but right now, Curry's hurt, you know? Like, you have a very good chance of winning, but you still got Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and, you know, you got Gary Payton the second back on that team now that were vital parts of why they won. Um, Jordan Poole, he's a dog, you know? He's going to be that franchise once Curry and Klay Thompson retire, you know? But, I mean... You just, there has to be some type of consistency with this team if they want to make the play in, or even in that six seed, how you said, they're only five games away. So it's just a certain level of consistency, but also meshing together with everything new coming in. And honestly, in my opinion, getting Mobamba to really learn with AD and having AD be that big mentor. So if AD does go out, Mobamba fills that role right away. There's no hesitation. There's no. Oh, you should have blocked this. Why aren't you taking this easy layup, this easy dunk, whatever? Like, you know, I don't expect Obama to come in and start shooting threes like AD. I expect Obama to be a in the paint defender, but also jamming it right into your face. You know,
1: not not to mention Obama technically is a better three point shooter than AD
2: right now. That is wild. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, like having that mentorship with him. So, like I said, if something drastically does happen to AD, they're okay. They can keep rolling and have that. You know, that train moving just so they don't have to be worried and be like, oh, what are we going to do for these five-plus games, whatever. Like, having that consistency is key right now in the NBA to making the play-in or even that six seed.
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of off of that, I mean, they already had the, like, perfect backup center to learn from AD and Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant looks like a little worse AD, and they replaced him with another guy that is perfect to learn under AD. Well, yeah. Bamba has all those same skill sets that young AD had. And obviously, Mobamba is not going to be ever the same player that Anthony Davis is. I think people forget when Anthony Davis is on the court, he is a top five player in the league every time he touches the court.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think Mobamba has, you know, the same defensive instinct that Anthony Davis does. He's a very good shot blocker like Anthony Davis, and he's able to spread out the floor on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, which are extremely huge factors for this Lakers team. When you have a LeBron James trying to drive at the paint every play, you need a big man to go out and sit on the corner sometimes. Uh, so I think he was the perfect replacement to that Thomas Bryant issue that they had where he wanted to be traded because he felt like he was a starting center in this league, which was hilarious because he got traded to the team with the best center in the NBA, probably <laughs> the best center in NBA history to a lot of people. Um, eventually, the best center in NBA history to a lot of people. Um, you know, I think that Obama was the perfect fit in for that. Uh and I think if this Lakers team can all be healthy, all be on the court, they have a strong chance to make that succeed. seed. I think they have a shot to make the playoffs right in. Uh and if they make the playoffs that's scary because LeBron James in the playoffs is a different person.
0: He's already
1: otherworldly in the regular season, but the moment he hits the playoffs, it's it's basically over. No, for yeah. Any team besides the Warriors. <laughs> yeah
2: i just i hope they can actually like i said have the consistency but also mesh together and work well together instead of you know having lebron obviously get hard fouled and have him jump and scream like a little kid on the court you know to where it's more of an understanding type thing and be like all right fine let's move on let's keep going because i feel like when stuff like that happens where you got him acting out like that it kind of ruins the vibe and it's how we talked about before with how the Phillies in um, in baseball just had the vibe. They had the momentum and stuff, you know? And I feel like if the Lakers want to get to where the Clippers are right now, they need to have that momentum and the vibe of just, let's just keep going. Win or loss. Let's just go, you know? Let's not think about it. Let's learn from it and just keep moving just so we can keep climbing the ranks and prove people wrong. I think that's what they really need right now because it's going to help them in the long run of having LeBron in that playoffs and having him switch onto that playoff mentality because he's been there so much, you know? And I think that could be a key factor, getting him there and having him flip the switch. That's going to help you win more. And it's going to flip the switches for everyone around him because they're going to see greatness. They've seen greatness before on TV or playing with him or whatever, but it's going to flip the switch for everyone. So they just need this vibe and momentum to just keep going and going. Win or loss, it doesn't matter. Just go.
1: Uh, moving on to our last part about the NBA trade deadline, I wanted to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Oh my God. Sackley, how did you feel about the Chicago Bulls trade deadline?
3: It was absolutely terrible. I mean, they did literally nothing. And now three games after the trade deadline, they've lost all three. They're now 26-31. and 31. They were kind of nice and comfortable in the ninth seed, had a couple of nice two-game cushion. Now they're out by a game. I don't think this team's going to make the play in. They look worse and worse every game. Uh, I could see them losing 45-plus games at this rate. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, they did absolutely nothing to make themselves better or put themselves in a better position for the future. And, yeah, it looks like they should blow it up in the offseason. Why do you think they chose
1: not to do anything this trade deadline?
3: They, for whatever reason, still believe in this group, even though ever since, you know, January twentieth, 2022, they've looked absolutely terrible. They've had a they're over fifteen games under five hundred since that point. Lonzo's not coming back this year. Yeah, we think he's the savior, but yeah, I don't I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe if they traded a few guys, they would admit it they were wrong to begin with. Maybe they didn't want to do that. But
2: A.K. and Billy Donovan look worse and worse day by day. Um, you know, I'm not gonna disagree. A.K. and Billy Donovan, you know. I think the whole thing that set it off was the under the table not saying anything about the contract extension that really threw it off uh maybe even for the players themselves you know um but also i think what they're doing possibly is letting the season right out evaluating the players to see uh what everyone's player worth is besides those who are going to keep which i think are Demar and um io um i think those two they're going to really want to build around because that's like their duo right now that they kind of really trust I think they're looking to get rid of Vooch and Levine, in my opinion, um, because there probably is some, you know, semi-better talent than both of them, and I think we do need to go out for a dominant big man. Uh, Vooch is good and all, but he's not the big man we really need right now. Um, We should have got Rudy Gobert, like you were saying, when that came available. Um, I think we should have got Kevin Durant when that came up, but that's a different talk for a different day. But I feel like right now that's what they're doing. They're assessing player value and what they can really get when the offseason comes up so they could just blow it up.
1: Yeah. Um, my guess is that they were going in on Kevin Durant and they missed out on the sweepstakes. And then once Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were, were both traded out of the East into the West, the Bulls thought, hmm, maybe we do still have a shot because the East is getting so much worse now that the star players are leaving. And they forgot that the Nets were the only team ahead of them that got worse. Yeah. Literally, the other 10 teams either stayed exactly the same team or, or added. added. Yeah. So not only did the East not get worse, it probably got better because chances are that Nets team was going to implode by the end of the year if they kept their stars. You've seen it happen last year where they just kind of fell apart because those guys weren't playing or they weren't playing well when they were playing together. Um, and for some reason, AK just thought that we're a championship team. We've sucked all year, you know. We sucked all second half of last last year. I guess that means we can win a championship now that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are gone. <laughs> and again, he probably put all his eggs in a basket to go and get Kevin Durant, and then the Nets said no, because they can go get all of Phoenix Suns' uh, future assets and. You know, they're two best uh, role players. I I just don't understand what their mindset was after that deal was over, though. They had a whole—the deal was done at midnight on Wednesday. The trade deadline was at 3 p.m. on Thursday, so they had a whole 15 hours to figure out some other kind of trade, something else to help this team, and they did nothing. The least they could have done was try to trade up into the draft again get another first-round pick in this year's draft. Get two more first-round picks in this draft. Apparently, teams were just throwing them away, and the Bulls didn't go for any. of them. Yeah, the
2: furthest pick we saw in this trade deadline was 2029. Are you kidding me? And I I completely agree with you. How are we not going for a first-round pick when all of a sudden, after that 12 p.m. PM hit, and you see a 2029 first-rounder on the table? Are you kidding me? Well, not even that.
1: There were 2023 picks. One of the best players, or what people are saying could be one of the best players of all time and Victor Wembanyama is in this draft class. Why not go out there and try to get three more first-round picks? You can. They're going to be out on the market. Teams were, trust me, I guarantee you, teams were offering picks for Zach Levine. They were offering picks for DeMar DeRozan. They were offering picks for Patrick Williams. And they were offering picks for Nikola Vucevic. They might have been offering picks for Lonzo Ball even. You know, teams were definitely giving offers to the Bulls, and the Bulls were obviously turning down each and every one of them. And I agree with you. I think a lot of it goes back to that shady deal they did with Billy Donovan under the table at the beginning of the season. That whole tra- like that whole debacle that happened because of that really took a lot of this trust out of Bull fan- Bulls fans and AK. And because of that, they had not really a lot of trust in it in him going into this trade deadline. And then now none of the fans want AK there anymore. And if you've noticed, the Bulls recently aren't really big fans if the fans aren't fans. So they're going to move on from you. Billy Donovan might be fired too.
2: Yeah, and that whole what? 5-season extension is just gone to waste. Like, man, we need we need a Ryan poles in there, man. We need Ryan poles in there. Cuz that man would he would probably do anything and everything to make sure chicago has two winning teams two winning teams you know and it's just sad to see that ak was once this great mastermind like polls at one point and now it's just downhill you know and hopefully i'm not foreshadowing anything with polls i swear to god i better not be doing anything with that but i think I think we're both right. That whole contract extension threw it all off. Or unless this is something that they had planned since the start, since hiring him.
1: Then just give him a seven-year contract at some point. Yeah,
2: there's no point in giving him the two years and then all of a sudden, oh, here's five more seasons. You know, unless they know something that we don't with Lonzo, Unless he's coming back soon, that we don't know, and they're just not reporting.
1: And even if he does, I don't think Lonzo Ball automatically makes the Bulls a championship contender with the team oh, that they no, have yeah, right now. no, yeah, definitely
2: not. That's not what I'm saying. He at probably all.
1: wins them three or four more games. Yeah, at that, best.
2: that. Yeah, that's about it. I don't even think we make the 10th in play in the Tennessee seed play in. And I feel like we could, we'll probably lose to the Pacers, Orlando, and fall but under them. Even if we did have Lonzo and have Caruso on the court as our best defenders in the game. And that's just the sad part about it is that, yeah, we had some mishaps with Lonzo's recovery and issues with the knee. Yeah, we get that. But the fact that you're going under the table giving an extra deal out of nowhere all of a sudden and then expecting everyone to be okay with it, yeah, we're just people who are fans. But this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Five more seasons of losing? Not saying that, yeah, some people might think he's a bad coach or the best coach we've had or whatever but it's the fact that how you say every time we talk about the bulls he plays to the other team not to where what we need to play in order to win which is annoying so now everyone thinks he's a bad coach and that's what's ruining this vibe and why people want him and ak out of the building you know and and it's like who knows if jerry reinsdorf is seeing all of this stuff you know it's like what what is he doing he's he's above everyone Are we going to get a new GM? Are we going to get a new coach? What are we doing? You know, and it's like, did they go through him to do this? And he just went through with it and said, ah, whatever, I have the money for it. You know, it's just, it's it's annoying to see because we know the potential that this team could have if we would have made the right moves with getting Durant or Rudy Gobert. You know, it's, we know we have the potential to be in the plan or even in that 6th, 7th seed, but we're not doing anything about it. We're not blowing up the trade deadline. We're not blowing up the offseason. We're just so worried about Lonzo's knee and making sure we make Levine happy and give him the max, making sure Vooch is happy with what he's getting and this and that. We have a future with Dalen Terry, Ida and maybe DeMar. Yeah, DeMar's older, but those three and the guys we have in our feeder, that's what we need, you know? And maybe go out and get another superstar besides Levine and Vooch. Get rid of Williams. We don't need him. We have what we have. We can work with it, but let's just add some more key elements, like a certified big man, and maybe you know, another certified shooting guard or whatever forward, or go for draft picks. Get that French kid. That that's solid, you know.
1: I mean, that's gonna take a lot to get him, but why not? They have to lose.
2: Yeah, you 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 can give up Levine. Levine can produce for any team he plays for. Give, I believe. Give in up
1: that. Demar Derozan. On, like, I get it. You said, like, you were saying that they think he's a cornerstone of the team. He's not. He's 32 years old and on a big contract for how old he is. Like, just get rid of him. Other teams are going to be scrambling. I guarantee you the Los Angeles Lakers sent the Bulls that same package for to Levine. get da- D'Angelo Russell for DeMar DeRozan, and I would have taken that with heartbeat. I would have taken all those picks at just for the Bulls to blow it up and do something different. And I, I, I don't know why they didn't even think about it. I know for a fact they probably went, no, go away. And I bet the Lakers probably said the same thing. They probably went, okay, if not DeRozan, can we do it for Levine? And the Bulls probably said, nope. Nope. And they probably said, okay, maybe we'll take a pick away and one of the players, can we get Vucevic? And the Bulls probably said,
0: nope.
1: So what, what do you, you want to do? And like you said, I know DeRozan is a big part of this team right now, but he's only been on the team for two years. Nobody's attached to him. Bulls fans like him, but nobody's attached to him. Zach Levine, yeah, he's been on the team a little longer, and I think if they're going to keep any of those guys, it's probably going to be Zach Levine or Lonzo Ball. It's going to be one of those two. They're going to say, these are the guys that's going to sit for right now and be our cornerstone as we rebuild around it. (coughs) But, you know, like you don't even have to go out and get Wenbiama in the draft. You could go out and get the dude from Purdue, uh, Eadley, Eaterly, however you say his name. He's a beast he's probably going to win the Wooden Award this year for college basketball. And I know that usually doesn't translate the best to uh, the NBA, but it's still a big deal when you win that award. Mm-hmm. I, I think what you were saying before about how <clears throat> they probably just decide to evaluate the talent, it's too late to do that. Yeah, Teams know what the Bulls are. The v- talent and the value for this talent has already dropped since the beginning of the season, and it's only going to get worse. No matter what the Bulls the Bulls could win every single game for the rest of the season and barely make the play-in, and teams would still not give them what they think their players are worth. And I think the Bulls are just living in this hippie world where they don't see that, and they think that their guys are the best players in the league. And they're good, but they're not special. They're nothing new, and I think the Bulls just need to see that. And I think firing AK, firing Billy Donovan, and switching out some of these stars for draft picks, other young guys, stuff like that. Do what the Jazz are doing. Jazz are really good at rebuilding. They sure are. They are sitting in the play-in right now when everybody thought they were going to be the worst team in the league. Why can't the Bulls do that? The Bulls have, if you look at what the Jazz had three years ago when they were competing, the Bulls have basically the same team. Basically the same team. I think you can get that same value. Probably a little less because Donovan Mitchell was so young and Rudy Gobert was still young. Probably a little less value, but you can still get a bunch of value for this team if you traded them before the season. Now teams see a bunch of old guys who have no value because Zach Levine hasn't played well. DeMar Rosen is still a very good player, but not what he was last year. Mm-hmm. Nikola Vucevic has not played well.
2: He's a free agent, too.
1: Mm-hmm. We're, we have to get rid of him. Well, we they, they're going to know. What they should have done is traded him because he's a free agent. That's, that should automatically mean, yeah, we don't want you on the team anymore. Go find a new home and get paid this offseason, dude. Like, the one thing we talked about in our chat was get Yaka we should We should have done that. We should have done that
2: and traded with Vooch.
1: You didn't even have to trade Vooch. Yaka Purtle got trade, traded for a bag of peanuts to the Raptors. He's a above-average center in this league, and he could have been gotten the Bulls more. The Bulls probably could have got picks or something, like a second-round pick out of the Spurs for that, too. Why didn't we? Who knows? I mean, it's just the Bulls. And it's like every year, I think, not even every year, but each time a Chicago team gets a new GM and does well for a little bit, Bulls fans and Chicago fans just get so excited. I think we need to learn to cool our Jets and just watch these guys for three years before we say anything about them. We got really excited over Matt Nagy and Pace got really excited over AK and uh, Billy Donovan, you know, I think we just got to slow down a little bit here. Yeah. Um, And I think the teams need to do that, too. I think a lot of, you know, what the Bulls are doing is that they bought in so much into AK and Billy Donovan once the fans said, yay. You know what I was saying before is, like, the Bulls want to listen to the fans. The Chicago teams want to listen to the fans. When the fans said "woohoo!" right away for those guys, they were like, "Yep, give them ten-year deals. They're the best ever. We're gonna ride with them until they yeah. burn us into the ground." And now they're burning us into the ground. Three years after, a lot more faster than we were expecting. Exactly. We weren't expecting to be burned to the ground. We thought they were gonna be able to turn this around. Yeah. They made a bunch of moves, and it wasn't even that like they were making they were making good moves, but they weren't good moves you know mm-hmm. they weren't like groundbreaking moves but Bulls fans were just hyping them up because it was something different
3: it was just yeah we were tired of the five, 4 four-year failed rebuild
2: with all these young guys we saw these veterans coming we were happy mm-hmm. yeah and i mean the draft last year it wasn't terrible i like dalen terry but man mark williams from
1: duke He's playing out of his mind. Yes, like in I, a position that the Bulls need somebody to play out of their mind. I know. And, and now they have a third string point guard because they drafted Dale Interry. and Terry. Dale and yeah. Terry is a good player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you gotta we gotta play didn't him need him. more. But we didn't need him.
2: We no, we really didn't. And the worst part about it was that maybe five weeks into the season, or maybe even three, he was sitting on the bench with that one European kid we got. Yeah, um, Simonovitch or yeah. yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, they sent both of them down to our uh, feeder, to the Windy City Bulls, and then a week later, they're back up on the bench sitting there They're because they were too good for that. So it's just like, what are we doing?
1: And a lot of times teams do that because they have injuries in their top ten and they need certain positions filled for that, and so they have to send some of those guys down to bring up some other positions or sign some other guys. So that was kind of part of it, but at the same time, you're right. Why couldn't those guys find a way into that rotation when guys were hurt? Yeah, Deion
3: Terry played the other night. He looked great. That's the best. That's the most enthusiasm and passion we've seen out of a Bull the whole year.
1: And that, that that's another thing. I saw a tweet uh, after yesterday's game or uh, two days ago, whatever it was. Somebody two said days. two days ago. Somebody goes, "That was the least energy I've ever seen from a Bulls team." He was like, he said in the tweet, "He's like, I want the Bulls organization to apologize to fans because this team just looks sad." Yeah, and it's
2: sad seeing the only rookie there have that much energy. Galen Terry on that team, he could be on any team and still have the same amount of energy every time he's on that, fe- on that court. And that's the sad part. You got guys like Levine and Damar and Vooch who love and will die for this game but have zero energy when you got a kid. Yeah, you made his dream come true and drafted him. But the fact that he has more love and more energy for this game right now and he's showing that other than these guys is sad. Because these guys have been in the, league, in the league 10 plus years.
1: Some of these dudes have been not only just in the league, but been one, some of the best players in the league and haven't won anything. They should have a fire under them. DeMar DeRozan has been around for so long and been a star player for so long. He should want to win basketball games. And when he's out there, he doesn't look like him. He's just out there getting a paycheck is what it looks like. Yep. So he's playing well enough to keep the money that he's getting paid, but not well enough to win them games. Nikola Vucevic is playing well enough to get him paid, but not good enough to win the Bulls games. And he's another guy who should have a fire underneath him. A lot of people doubted him because he was playing on a bad Orlando Magic team, but he was bringing them to the playoffs. And that team was a lot worse than this Bulls team right now. Yep. Why are you not helping bring them to the playoffs right now, Vucevic? Zach Levine, two years ago, you were helping a Bulls team that had nothing on it. It was you. And now you look like, you're 30 years older. And I understand the injuries take a toll on guys, but this is a guy who's proven that injuries haven't slowed him down. Why is this one the one that slows you down? Yeah. And obviously it's not just the injury. It's the mindset of this team and the mindset of the organization that's bringing it all down. And there needs to be some big changes this offseason for them to want to be competitive in the next coming years because a lot of teams around them are set to compete. Mm-hmm. Even the bad teams around them yeah. have a lot of picks and a lot of really good young talent and they could be really in a really bad position here soon. (laughs) We have about 10 minutes left in the show. We wanted to move on quick from NBA basketball to give you guys a quick preview of the World Baseball Classic. This is something me and Josh were really excited about watching. Uh, A bunch of the pools came out. They're still working on figuring out the pools. But, Josh, who are some of your favorite teams in the World Baseball Classic this year? Um.
2: Obviously, I'm gonna cheer for USA. We have a pretty stacked team, especially with our pitching and our uh, our whole our whole team in general. I shouldn't just specify one group in there, but definitely Team USA. I'm very excited to see how Japan plays out. Um, I would love a Japan and USA in the finals. That would be a really fun match to watch. But I mean, we do have to look out for Pool D, which is Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Israel, and Nicaragua. Um, I think Israel and Nicaragua aren't going to make it out of that pool. Um, it should, the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico alone are way too stacked competitive teams. They're going to want it really bad because I believe in 2015, it was the Dominican Republic and U.S. Um, that were in the finals in that. Um, but I mean... Pool A is pretty, uh, pretty filled. I think Cuba and Panama are going to be the big dogs in that one. I feel Japan and... In Pool B, I feel like Japan and maybe China or Czech Republic will be the big dogs in that one. Uh, pool C, I'm going to say USA and uh, probably Mexico are going to be the big ones in that one. And Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico in Pool D. So... All the pools are really stacked. The teams have some good players. Um, The only controversial one was, what, Israel? Because they weren't
1: all from Israel, but they were more or less Jewish. So the way the World Baseball Classic works is that it's not just, like, where you're from. So the Olympics are kind of like this, too. It's just where you have nationality. Yeah. Uh, So if you're a a citizen of that country. So there's a bunch of rosters that have guys who aren't from that country but are representing that country. Mm -hmm. So... In Israel's case, there's a lot of players who are just Jewish and then are choosing, and because they're Jewish, they have uh, citizenship in Israel, they're choosing to play for the Israel team. And same thing. So, like, Tommy Edmund is playing for the Korean roster, I think, and uh, Eric Sogard is playing for the Czech Republic, I think, even though neither one of them are from those countries. That's where their nationality sits. Um, One of my favorite things about the World Baseball Classic is just seeing the names on all of these rosters. Like... (laughs) You, like, there's so many players that you will never see play a baseball game again. And then you could watch these games. Like, I was looking at some of these teams. Like, China. I made cheer for China just because they have two players on their te- team named Chen Chen. <laughs> They're both named Chen Chen. And it's, like, you'll never see these dudes play again. But they could play some of the best baseball you've ever seen against some of the best players in the world. And That's the other thing. You get to see the best players in the world all play on the same stage. Yeah, You know, even guys that aren't in the MLB yet or will never make the MLB, they get a chance to shine. Yeah, It's a lot like what we were talking about with the XFL. I was before. just
2: about to say that. Yeah, this is a chance for them to really go out onto, onto this type of stage to where there's going to be a lot of viewers because, you know, you got baseball coming up with this. You know, I think the first game is March 7th. So you have, you know, you got the month of March with all of it and people, all these organizations, GMs, owners, front office, whatever you want to call it. They all are they are going to have their eye on them, you know. Yeah, we got spring training coming up, but then you got the World Baseball Classic, and then you can continue on with your spring training, and then you got Opening Day, right? So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see this because uh, just before the rosters were announced for the World Baseball Classic, a lot of a lot of Japan players, pitchers, and infielders, outfielders were getting signed to a lot of these big teams. Like I know the Giants picked up a lot, Seattle picked up some, um, and then the surprising one was that. Shohei Otani actually was allowed to participate and play for Japan because I know uh, the last time the World Baseball Classic came out, he wasn't allowed because um, he had just gotten drafted. So that that was like a whole controversial thing. But now he's able to play, and we got uh, Suzuki playing for them too, I believe. And, I mean, it's it's really exciting to see because, like you said, we got all these big athletes. It's the same thing with the XFL, NFL, whatever, right? We got all these great athletes, you know, who love the game, who will die for the game, to, you know, really play and have fun. Like, this is a time to have fun. They all get to communicate their own way instead of, you know, you got your Puerto Ricans trying to get English out in a certain way, but now they can all just be comfortable and, you know, go have fun. So this is going to be really fun to watch.
1: In a lot of ways, it reminds me of, you know, the Little League World Series. Yeah. And how much – I love watching the Little League World Series. It's kind of the same thing where these people, and in that case, those kids have so much pride in their countries and in this game, you see that at an adult level, at a level that's able to play at a major league level. Yeah. So it's so much more exciting because there's just this pride that comes with winning this. And, you know, that's something that comes with the World Cup and why a lot of people like watching the World Cup Yep. is that there's just this certain pride and the certain energy to each of these teams that you don't see all the time. And, you know, we could see Mike Trout against Shohei Otani. Yeah. We could see super fun, like, uh, Freddie Freeman against Julio Urias. Yeah. That could happen. That's crazy. And it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who may be signing like Jock Peterson is playing for Israel. Israel's probably not making it out of their
3: pool. That's really cool
1: to see him represent that team. You know, it's really cool to see Luis Robert represent Cuba, even though they may not make it out of their pool, but that he's so proud of their country and their heritage that they can go out there wearing that name on their jerseys. And even though they know they may not win, but just to be proud that they get to wear that jersey is just awesome. It brings a certain energy to the game that you don't always see. And I think a lot of people that are going to be watching it will have a new respect for the game that kind of has lost some respect over the years, especially with a lot of the new rule changes that are happening in the MLB.
2: Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. I was really really surprised about that um, because the pitching timer now – between hitters and when there's no hitters and that one really like it threw me around a little bit um but they said they tested the new rules in eight thousand plus minor league games and fans were you know more engaged and you know it wasn't just a lot of you know this it wasn't the stadiums being filled and all of a sudden being empty because the game took too long so they were talking about how
1: The games were faster paced um let me see i have it right here The Uh, shift is banned so there can only be two players on each side of the infield they have to start with their feet in the dirt to start the uh play they can once the pitch is thrown they can back out into the outfield then yeah and then bases
2: are bigger mm -hmm, uh increased from 15 to 18 inches in width Uh, they said that larger bases reduced injuries in the minors. So that's probably something that they were um, obviously testing for the 8,000-plus games. And they said the 8,000-plus games of testing in minors led to quicker games, fewer strikeouts, and more stolen bases, which obviously makes the game more fun to see. Um, It's going to be weird getting used to, especially with the pitch timer, with less waiting and more action, yeah. But... Do you think that this is going to tire out the pitchers faster and we're going to see a lot more rotation?
1: Uh, I don't know if we'll see more rotation, but I think we'll see more injury in pitchers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of guys, they take so long to in between pitches because they throw so hard. Some of these Mm -hmm. dudes are throwing 100 miles per hour for four pitches consecutively. like like Shohei. Shohei does that. Jacob deGrom does that. And Jacob deGrom and Shohei both already have injury issues. Yeah. Uh, you want to throw them, like, those games that they get injured in already in half the time, that's kind of insane. Uh, so because of that, I think, yeah, we'll probably see a lot more rotation going through, and I think the relievers will pick up a much larger role than they have in the past. I think mm. a lot of people have kind of, you know, neglected the relief pitcher. It's kind of been the starter and the closer. And then that in between, you could just find anybody to go into that spot. I think teams are going to take a lot more time figuring out who are going to be the relief pitchers now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of interesting to watch. Um, one of, like, and I, I'm okay with this rule with, you know, the pitch timer. I think it will make games more exciting. I think it will lead to more hits, which is what they want, um, which I don't always agree with. I like watching pitcher battles sometimes. I think those are really entertaining, especially yeah. if they're really good. But I also love watching guys just rip the ball. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. <clears throat> but... One part of it that I didn't like was that they're keeping the ghost runner rule.
2: Uh, oh for the like for extra, the extra innings. innings? Oh
1: I hate that rule. Yeah,
2: I didn't I didn't see that.
1: Yeah, so they're gonna if you guys don't know what the ghost runner rule is, uh, this past MLB season they started doing it as when the extra innings start, teams get a runner on second base to start off the inning no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um so that it can help make the extra innings go faster. I don't think they need to go faster. I think it's fun when extra inning games go to 15 innings. Yeah. you know, It gets more tense as each inning goes on, as teams get into position to score and stuff. And also, I don't think it helped that much. There were still a bunch of games this year that went to, like, 15 innings. Yeah. That went super long. And maybe that's just because pitchers were really good this year. I think pitching was at one of its best. It's been in a really long time. And that's the same with hitting. Being up two is really interesting to see um But I just don't think this helps the game. I think this just seems like MLB being like, get it going. Like yeah. we don't we don't want we don't think fans watch long enough. Yeah, just get get it going, which I don't really like. I like the idea that they want to make the experience faster and more interactive for fans, but I don't think that does it.
2: Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. It was just like this this will attract the younger population for those who like you want to say, oh, I went to a baseball game and. But, not hear about them complaining about, oh, it took this long, you know. But I feel like it'll attract that, but it also has its cons to it with how these old-timers, how they love sitting there and sitting and just having all that time to, if they're there with their scorebook or whatever and keeping track of everything instead of trying to, like, keep up with the game now, it's probably going to push them kind of away just rely on oh I got it all on my phone now or I can go look it up and do whatever I feel like they're gonna push away that type of community that was bringing those people back you know who love the game and love watching it and doing whatever but I mean in the end it's a business which is terrible um because you got guys you got old people older people like that who would who love going to these baseball games and buying 12 overpriced beers and really just sitting there enjoying time with their friends and family. But now it's like, do we waste the money for 12 overpriced beers or just buy a couple and then, oh, the game's over. We got to go now. You know, so it's just like it kind of ruins the experience for those people who have been going to these games that take a long time. But then again, it brings in more people who are like, oh, I know this is going to be quick. These changes made and... We won't be here that long. So, I mean, it's got its pros and cons, and it's sad to see, in my opinion, because I enjoy sitting at those games, watching them. If it's whether win or loss, if they're losing, yeah, I'll leave early, but that's the worst of it. You're not losing money. I still bought an overpriced meal for you. You're still making money off of me. I filled the seat for you. So it's just like, I don't know. At me being a fan of how the games have been going, yeah, I like them. I like sitting there. I like watching the game. It's it's fun. I get to say I went to Wrigley Field and watched the Cubs play. But now I get to say I watched them play a fast game. And that's something I'm not looking forward to, but I'm still going to go watch them nonetheless.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think baseball games being an all-day event is part of what is baseball. Yeah. It's fun to spend a whole day going to a baseball game, tailgating, hanging out at the game, spending time with family, walking around the stadium. I think that's one of the best parts about baseball games being long is you get to experience the rest of the stuff that happens around baseball games. I think football games that I've gone to, you sit there and watch the game, and that's it. In baseball games, I love walking around the stadium. I love seeing all the history in a stadium. So I think that's one of the things that you will be losing when you have so much action going on all the time. All right, we ran a little over the limit here, so we got to sign off for the night. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to comment on the Instagram post and vote on our story. For the Instagram post, tell us what you think would win in a battle between a butter burger and some Chick-fil-A mac and cheese and tag three of your friends. And then for the post, just vote on our poll on the story. We'll see you guys next week. If you have any ideas for us to talk about, uh, feel free to share those with us in our DMs on Instagram. Thanks for listening.